0: Keith here. When I started making the first episode of, I had no experience doing podcast interviews, especially the technical side of things. It was a lot of confusing steps, setting up double-enders or making do with low-quality recordings on whatever app I could figure out. But it got a whole lot easier when I started using Zencaster. Made for podcasts, with Zencaster, it's so easy to do everything. You and your guests log in with a browser and record studio-quality sound and up-to-4K video, even with an unstable connection. And it's an all-in-one deal. You don't need a lot of different tools or services. With Zencaster, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and other major platforms. If you've ever thought about making your own podcast, go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code T-F-E-O. And you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story on Zencaster. Hey, it's Keith. If you're a lover of audio drama like I am, you need to know about the Apollo app. Apollo is designed around audio drama, so finding your next story is easy. You can always listen through Apollo for free, but there's also the Apollo Plus subscription. With it, you get ad-free listening, exclusives, and other bonus content for over 40 shows. And 70% of the revenue on Apollo Plus goes to those creators. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or apollopods.com. Hello. And welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, audio drama producer and podcaster. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about their show, their methods, struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of... Ice Cream.
1: Mom! Ice cream truck! Can I get one? Yeah, sure, honey. Just make sure you come right back, okay? No talking to strangers. Okay! Hey,
0: Johnny! Don't you need money? Johnny! Ice Cream is a retro horror story created by Adam Murciano and Adam Blanford. Set in 1988, it follows the story of 14-year-old Elgin Foster who, while spending the summer with his newly divorced dad, witnesses child abductions at the hands of the local ice cream truck driver known as Mr. Handsome. When the police are unable to help, Elgin and another teen, Olivia, team up to discover the truth. The first episode, When the Streetlights Come On, introduces us to Elgin and his little brother, Dustin, as they arrive at their father's house in Arizona. We also discover Mr. Handsome claiming a victim. I spoke with Adam Merciano co-creator of the show and the voice of Mr. Handsome, remotely from his home in Toronto. Tell us a little bit about yourself as an artist and a creator and how you got into doing this kind of stuff.
1: Ever since I was a child, I've been doing local theater and I've just been so fascinated with just film and television and acting and grew up wanting to do it and my grandparents that's what they did they worked in the film industry as extras you know mm. in their retired years they it was easy work for them and get money and so for me to like see them do that it was like tangible that it was possible it wasn't like you know i was just watching tv and that felt so far away hollywood and all that i saw my grandparents like working on big movies and stuff so i was like yeah. oh you know it's it's possible I, I can actually do this you know i tried for many years to convince my parents to get me an agent i bullied them they never wanted me to do it <laughs> they, they wanted. Me <laughs> me to be a kid and go out and play instead of dragging me to auditions which now looking back I'm very thankful for but at the time you know you just that's all you want to do and I finally convinced them when I was 14 13 14 to get an agent and I started working in in film and TV and I never got anything super big or anything especially you know as a teenager I was kind of awkward looking I had braces and so that kind of slowed the career <laughs> a, a bunch but then you know as the years progressed I got things here and there I moved to Vancouver tried a new city I'm from Toronto originally And then 2020 hit, and that's when everything kind of changed for me. I started creating my own work because we were all locked in the house and didn't know, you know, I couldn't audition. And that's where I started to begin working on my own projects. And it was just a light went off and I have never looked back. Had you ever done writing like this before? Never. So what happened was my agent dropped me. In 2020. And it was just days after the pandemic. I think he was clearing off his roster. And I was so devastated. I I didn't know what to do. I you know, this was my life. This is all I, I knew. And everyone always says, create your own work, create your own work. And I'm just like, well, how I don't have like money to hire a camera crew and lighting guys and stuff. And so I was like, you know what, I've always wanted to do this audio dramas, like, let's just let's just try. Why not? I'm stuck in the house. And so I just started writing for myself, you know, just little pilots, just seeing what stuck with me. And so that's, I it just, it, there was no really experience. I just kind of just practice, but, yeah. you know, growing up in the film industry and reading a lot of scripts, you know, since I was 12, I feel like I knew how to write a script, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I get that. How did you know about audio drama? I actually started doing podcasts with my friends in 2013. I just did like a fun talk show thing. We did like 10 episodes or whatever. It was really new. Nobody really knew what we were doing. Um, But I would always play around on the iTunes page and look around and stuff. And I saw fiction. And I saw like the early stuff, like Chronicles of Leviathan and the Black Tapes, all these like early shows. And I was so fascinated by it. But I was so intimidated. And I was like, I I would love to do one one day, but I could never, I could never, I I don't even know where to begin. And so that's, you know, when 2020 hit, I was like, you know what? Why not? Like I I can't film things. I can't really do anything. I can make this
0: in my own home. Is this when you created 911 podcasts?
1: Yes. Our first show was Cascadia and it was just it's a deep sea submarine show and I was like, "How do I? We gotta have a production name." At the time, I couldn't stop seeing the numbers nine one one. I would see it on license plates. I would every time I turned on my phone, it'd be nine eleven, like the time, or oh, you right. know, just yeah. everywhere I would turn, it was like I was like, "I'm losing my." I would like take photos just to prove it. Like I'm like, I'm not crazy, you guys. I looked it <laughs> up, and it, it's angel numbers, and it, it means you know, this is where you're meant to be. I thought, you know, that's a really cool kind. Of, first of all, it's a cool name, nine one one podcast, but also just like it's a cool kind of like homage to me because at the time I was so lost, you know, and what to do with my career and where to go. And to see that all the time, okay, this is what you're meant to do at this time. And um I just thought let's let's go with that.
0: One thing I think is really interesting is that 911 podcast, you have like a premier subscription service yes yes we just launched that you put ice cream on itunes but you you kind of made it a special subscription through itunes as well i mean it was available mm-hmm. through other platforms but you were giving sort of uh, additional content i think yes so i'm really curious about your choice for monetization here because that's one of the questions that a lot of you know audio drama people wrestle mm-hmm. with is how do i make money doing this thing talk to me about your decision to approach your production's with this subscription model
1: ideally we wish we started this when we launched our whole production company but i think apple wasn't quite there yet even on the apple page you can get a clean version of the show so if you're listening in the car with kids or whatever you know we have a whole clean version of it we also have a super cut version of it where you know it's great for road trips or you know long flights where you don't have to skip through episodes or maybe you don't have wi-fi you can listen to it all one setting And we also have like behind the scenes interviews, kind of like what we're doing right now with the cast. So we Mm. we dive into each actor and talk about, you know, their experience of working the show and creating the character and all these things. I think it's such a fun way for fans to go on and to learn more about their actors and the show. And so I'm really excited and it's, it's been doing really well, surprisingly, because, you know, these shows have already been out, but these people really want more content. And I, you know, I was really shocked to see how many people signed up for it. So I'm, I'm excited and I'm excited to see where it goes in the future. As we progress with new seasons and new shows, it's going to be, you know, those fans will get the first listen to the episodes and, you know, maybe, you know, bloopers and extra content, all that kind of stuff will be available on that platform as well.
0: Sometimes people will make their podcasts exclusive, like it's a Spotify exclusive or an Apple podcast exclusive, but I I don't think you did that with your shows. No, no. Talk to me about that. I don't, I don't want to do that. I I want people to,
1: to listen to the work that we've put in, you know, I want it to be able to have that reach, you know, and, and that's why we do it is to entertain, you know, maybe those fans on the platform will get the first access and first listen, but I want to always be available to people. It's why we
0: do what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know that we have to approach this at a, as a business sometimes, right? right? We have to think about like the amount of time we spend versus if we're getting any income at all right, or something right. like that. And, and it's one thing if you're doing this for the fun of or for the love of, but you know, if you're trying to make a career out of this, these kind of questions are important, but at the same time, you do want, I think all artists want an
1: audience. I feel like at the be- we're at the beginning stages, right? We're still trying to make our name for ourselves. We're still trying to prove ourselves and, and get ourselves out there and, you know, really just build our audience you know our fan base and that to me is the most important thing is to have people enjoy our content that that always will come first you know podcasts especially fiction podcasts we're still in the early stages of it and we're just trying to figure out the industry and how to monetize it and make money and make everyone happy
0: yeah because sometimes it's like i'll notice comments that like oh my god i can't believe they put ads in this audio drama i'm so I used know. to getting it for free you know Ugh. um there's this entitlement i think that sometimes comes yes. from a lot of people in the audience On the one hand, I kind of get it. On the other hand, you know, artists got to eat too. And they also don't know how much work we put into it. I mean, Mm -hmm.
1: some do, but a lot of people don't realize how much work it is, you know, and you get little back, right? I mean, to me, what feeds me and what makes me excited is to see the reactions and people actually enjoying it, you know, and Mm -hmm. that to me, like, you know, feeds my soul. But, you know, in terms of like money, if like we have an ad, it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Come on, guys, (laughs) just press the little 30 second (laughs)
0: thing if you don't want to listen to it, you know? (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about Ice Cream itself, the show. Sure. What is Ice Cream in your own words? What do you think about when you think about this show?
1: Well, Ice Cream follows this 14-year-old boy, Algen Foster. You know, when I create a show, I really want to have an aesthetic to it. I want you to really feel this vibe, whether it's, you know, Cascadia, it's super futuristic underwater, or Ice Cream, where it's, you know, the retro 1980s summer vibe. And that's exactly what it was. You know, Algen, he's 14, he's on the cusp of puberty and he has to go spend the summer with his newly divorced dad he goes to arizona with his little brother he begins to start to notice a string of kids in the neighborhood going missing he literally physically witnesses it from the local ice cream truck man but now elgin has the concussion and he doesn't know if it's his brain that's playing these games with him on him or if what he saw was real until he meets his neighbor olivia who's 15 years old She believes him. She even says a quote where nobody questions the ice cream truck, man. They just put money in our hands and make us go get ice cream for them. The listener follows Elgin and and Olivia as they uncover what they start to discover really disturbing things about this guy and what he's doing to these kids.
0: So thinking about Elgin and how awkward he feels, talks about his face and how he's breaking out. And he actually says at one point that he feels like he's very ugly. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to, you know, was this coming from a personal space or a feeling that you had when you were maybe growing up?
1: Yeah. I mean, I struggled with acne terribly. If you know me personally, like I had some really bad acne and as an actor, that was double the, the, Mm. the, the the pressure, you know, being on camera and stuff. And, and so I definitely, you know, I think we all go through that, you know, some degree and, um, you know, I, I mean, it's, yeah, I, it's like, it's crazy how like our appearance really does like matter to ourself, like in, internally, you know, we go out in the world and if we have all this acne, it's like, we don't even want to be seen. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's bigger in your head, of course, you know, because the average person maybe doesn't care, but you know, it's, it's just heightened, especially when you're that age. And so I want to tap into that, you know, I know that there's people out there that could have related to that, that feeling. It kind of plays into the whole story later on and and what beauty means and how far you'll go to have that beautiful skin and looking young.
0: You wrote Elgin in A Divorced Family. Yes. Is there a reason why you wanted to add the familial difficulties to his situation?
1: I think in the 1980s, like if a parent got divorced, it was like such a big deal. And just to add on to the whole thing of like, you're being a kid, you're going to high school, you're nervous, you're scared. It's just like that, that feeling again, you know, that teenage feeling of like, everything sucks, everything sucks, (laughs) you know? And, and that was just another layer onto it. I want to explore that Bobby character, which is his dad. You know, maybe the dad and him weren't always very close. And the dad is kind of awkward and doesn't really know how to deal with a teenage son. And he says awkward things. And I just want to explore that. Dad, can we go skateboarding after dinner? Yeah, we want to explore the
0: neighborhood. Uh, I don't know, guys. Uh, It's getting late. Come on, Dad. It's summer. I mean... Oh, all right. Yeah, that's fine. Go. All right, sweet. Yeah, yeah, but what's my rule? When the the streetlights come come on, on, it's time time to to come in. In
1: In the city, yes, but can we stay out for a bit later? No.
0: I'm gonna go get the skateboard. Dustin,
1: yeah, you put your dishes in the sink, you knucklehead. Dustin, hey.
0: The fact that you said it in 1988 Mm -hmm. seems to be really relevant. It does have that kind of classic 80s. Spielberg-esque kind of feel in terms of the family dynamic, right? Yes. Yes. You know? When I think about like E.T. or close encounters of the third kind, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, you know, these are broken homes. These are kids dealing with divorce, you know. And and so, I mean, I definitely got that vibe. Yeah. Was there, Were there other reasons why you wanted to set this in 1988? Well, the,
1: the main reason was that, you know, because today you could just Google things or you can call <laughs> okay, someone yeah. or you can never has a cell phone. Then, you know, you couldn't do that. And, you know, later on in the show, there's, you know, phone booths and all these things. And I just I also just love the aesthetic. You know, I at the time of, of writing it and making it, I was so into 1980s vaporwave lo-fi music, you know, underground yeah. kind of almost like elevator 1980s mall music. I don't know. Just you can find <laughs> compilations on YouTube and it's kind of dark and haunting in a way. And I get very into these shows and when I'm making a show. And so everything, my whole life gets taken up about it. You know, music, what I'm listening to, everything. And so I, I just love that vibe. I love the feel and, and you know, the bike rides and all these things that happen in the show that just help tell that story, you know, and and I,
0: I just enjoy it. Yeah, cell phones have destroyed horror movies, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) because you can just
0: call, (laughs) right? Exactly. No matter where you are, you know, I'm I'm working on 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 a horror show right now, The Love Talker. But I'm like, okay, how do we deal with the cell phone issue, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And my solution was, well, we'll stick them up away in the mountains where there's no cell phone coverage, yeah, right. But you know, you've got to figure out a way to to handle that. So you, you just you just went back in time. And I think that totally. was smart. Well, I mean, I think it was smart, not just because it did handle a problem for you, but because it does tie into this sort of feeling of the classic 80s horror movie. All right, so we get into the first episode. We Mm -hmm. get to meet Elgin and his Mm -hmm. younger brother, Dustin, and of course, their dad and mom. And we get to sort of get the whole setup there. We also get to meet the ice cream truck driver, who is known Mm -hmm. as Mr. Handsome. And you voice Mr. Handsome. (laughs) Yes. It isn't long, actually, before Elgin witnesses Mr. Handsome kidnapping a child. And in fact, we actually start the first episode with a kidnapping. Mm -hmm. So there's no question that Mr. Handsome is the monster, so to speak. Look, kid,
1: I'm going to share something with you that's going to bring you great value to your life. Why don't you come a little closer? Nothing in life is ever free. Even when you think it is, it isn't. They always make you pay. One way or
0: the other. Well, can you wait here and I can go ask
1: my mom? No, no, that's okay, Johnny. The ice cream will melt. melt. I, I have another idea of a way you could pay me. <sighs> what now? <laughs> I want you to sing to me my favorite song. Can you do that for me, Johnny? What's that? I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream.
0: Your turn. A lot of times, authors might have chosen instead to sort of hide that a bit, make it part of the mystery, uh-huh. you know, the who done it. I'm curious as to why you wanted the monster right there up front from the very beginning.
1: Thank you for asking that. You know, it's for me, I wanted to drop you into that. You know, it's about six minutes into the show before you even meet who our main character, Elgin. The reason why I really did that was because it wasn't Mr. Handsome. You know, he's doing these things, but that's not the twist. The twist is why is he doing these things? You think one thing about Mr. Handsome and you think one thing and where the story is going, but it completely switches. And I've seen people say, I never thought I would feel bad for Mr. Handsome, but I do the horror part is not like the jump scare or the music or the, you know, like that's not the scary part. Yes. You can be on watching a film and you could see all the gore and all that. But the true horror to me is how you can make one wrong mistake. And that can change the course of your life forever. Your past, maybe you did something in your past. It can come back and haunt you again. These are the themes that really are terrifying. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we explored a lot with this character, particularly. And, and what choice do you really have when you're, in the corner you know it's things that could happen to you that's Jeez. what's scary you know everyone is one mistake away from making a life-changing decision
0: truly there's some pretty scary things that happen specifically mm-hmm. to children in this show. yes yes um, and you had child actors i believe uh, yes did you have to do anything special knowing that you'd have kids who were dealing with this sort of scary subject matter and maybe your background as a child actor played into this mm-hmm. Well, I have to tell you, the child
1: actors were phenomenal. They came mm-hmm. into the studio prepared. They knew what they were doing. I was like, "Are you okay with this?" They're like, "Oh yeah, this is a piece of cake." They were excited. They were they were just on the ball. The first scene of that first episode, you know, I, I swear, at the end of at the little kid, my character, Mister Handsome, and I didn't feel yeah. comfortable personally doing that. I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing this in the studio i don't want to swear at this nine-year-old child (laughs) so i asked him to leave and then we did that part later on but um working with kids was very interesting you know we have to deal with the union and we have there's certain times and chaperones and, and going through agents it was interesting but it was so worth it because those kids they brought it and i'm so grateful for them truly
0: is there anything about this particular story that made you want to tell it when you did
1: Yes, well, me and Adam, which is my co-writer, we just finished writing a sitcom, which is coming out with our—it's our next production—and uh, we were just really working on it, and we were on the last episode of writing the, that that sitcom, and I was—I'll never forget this—I was outside. It was May, late May, early June, and this blaring, annoying ice cream truck just went vroom right by me, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so annoying!" And then I just started thinking about it and thinking about how it's almost kind of hypnotic you know you see kids running to it and you buy this ice cream from this person that you don't even know and then they're gone Mm -hmm. and i remember my mom would have like a little jar at the front door you know when she was at work whatever you know for the ice cream truck she'd have change in there for us kids to go grab it and you know go get ice cream and it's like what? Like if you really think about it, it's a crazy concept. I'm not trying to cancel any <laughs> ice cream workers. We love ice cream trucks, trust me. But if you really play into the horror of it all, it's it's interesting. And so this whole story kind of just hit me in that moment. And I called Adam my writer and I said, "You're going to think I'm absolutely crazy because we were gearing up to record the sitcom." I said, "We got to shelve the sitcom because I have this other idea that I want to <laughs> do in time for Halloween. Are you down?" And he said, "You're crazy. Let's go." Uh. And so We penned the whole show in about less than two weeks. It just came out, and that's how I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. There
0: is something of like this urgent opportunity cost that comes with an ice cream truck, right? Especially when yes. you're a kid. It's like, yes. oh my God, I did this ice cream thing that I did not yeah. know was going to be there. Suddenly <laughs> yeah. is here and yeah. in 30 seconds, it will be gone. Gone, right? and you need it. It's like a drug, you know? And it's, that's such a
1: crazy concept to me. Like it's, it's kind of crazy how that even hasn't been really much explored in, in film and television, you know? Parents don't really question it. They just give you money and say, go get ice cream, Okay.
0: One of the other things I like about your show is that it's you, you've put a lot of work into the sound design. Thank you. There's a lot of Foley, some interesting, really cool music, too. But what I really noticed that stood out was you put a lot of attention to detail into mm-hmm. the little sounds in the background. Like there was one moment that's kind of stood out to me. It's when Elgin has taken a fall on a skateboard. He's hurt his head and he's talking with his dad, and his dad actually throws him an ice pack. <laughs> yeah. Put on his head. And, yeah. you know, you didn't have to do that. I mean, he could have just handed him an ice pack. <laughs> yeah. But you, you put the dialogue in there that he tosses it to him, and yeah. that he, and then you actually did the Foley of someone throwing mm-hmm. an ice pack across the room. Yeah. Skateboard and photography. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get you some fresh eyes here. Catch? Yep. So other than that, how was the exploring the hood? Don't say
1: hood, Dad. Oh. But but it was
0: cool. Hey, can I ask you something? Shoot. Do you know anything about an ice cream truck guy around here? I know there's uh, an ice cream truck. Uh, Well, it comes by maybe once a day or so, but that's about all I know why. He he gave Dustin free ice cream. I I, I don't know, I just got some weird vibes from him. Plus the music from his truck sounded, I I don't know, like demonic. (laughs) Demonic.
1: Was this before or after you hit your head?
0: So talk to me about your philosophy about these little details that you put into your show. Well, thank you
1: so much for saying that and noticing that because, you know, as the editor, I'm, you know, those are little things that I hope people catch. And, you know, I think it's just to me, that's fun. You know, I love to do these little Easter eggs and these little background things because it, it helps pick, paint the picture, you know. And that's why I love audio drama so much is because I'm giving you all the tools. You just have to fill out the blanks, which is just picture it right and so i i take the time to do that i take the time i'll spend hours and hours and hours sitting there looking for the right sound effect you know because it's important to me that's important you know and that's why i love listening to shows because i like to listen to those details so you know i i I really like to put that in there and and it helps with the experience right it helps you feel like you're in there and it's like Mm. 3d almost right so for me that's that's what i enjoy
0: these little details really add some veritas to the to the mm. show, like a feeling of reality there, leaning into the realism of the scene. Like that moment with the ice pack. I mean, that moment, again, it didn't have to happen, but I do think <laughs> it added to the, the relationship between yeah. Elgin and his dad. Right. And it sort of told us a little bit more about who they are to each other.
1: Yeah, like he's not really like maybe the best dad like he's more of a buddy kind of dad if anything and he's trying to relate to his son and he's awkward and catch catch his ice pack like he didn't have to do that but he's trying to be cool and it's that typical 80s dad you know and it's, it's that's just that's part of the story you know and and it comes into play later on when things start to go wrong and he doesn't know how to handle it
0: what do you struggle with
1: so i think if you asked me this this time last year i would have said the perfectionism in me Mm, you know it was so hard for me to be okay and done with the scene and be like okay it's good enough now two audio dramas later I have overcome that and you know I still work hard and I still put the details but I'm okay with it you know I'm like okay this is good enough I can move on to the next thing you know and I think that just came from confidence but today I would say I struggle a lot and it's this is really weird but I I I struggle with like post-show blues Mm. You know, I I work so hard and so long on these shows. It really does take up my life. Like I eat, sleep, dream, breathe the show. And then when it's done, I'm like w- what do I do with myself? You know? Exactly. Like wh- what's next? Exactly, right, right. And and that's not good either, you know? And I'm trying to find that balance of being, you know, living my life and doing the show and having that kind of balance, and that's what I'm working on right now. So That's kind of what I struggle with, especially after ice cream. It was like a kind of a a big low. I mean, I I spent so much time in such a short time, but it took up all my time. And Mm -hmm. then when it was done, it was like this like weird come down. It was. Yeah.
0: What have you been doing to get past that? Make new content.
1: (laughs) I love what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love this so much. And it's like, I, I just i know that this is for me you know and so i just yeah on to the next thing
0: <laughs> yeah that's the, i mean that's the thing is i find that if i don't keep myself busy it's easy to mm-hmm. for me you know i deal with anxiety so for okay. me if i don't if i don't distract myself by doing some work um it's yes. easy for me to get into sort of Slip negative into thought that. yeah yeah negative thought space and that kind of stuff but it's yeah it's like okay now what you're done with, you know, you're done with this thing. And do I work on the sequel? Do I work on something else? Uh, (laughs) you know, and, and, and then it's also like trying to find the next idea. Cause you know, I've got, I've got tons of ideas and I'm trying to find the ones that stick, right? That stick.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: How do you measure success? So I look at it in
1: two different ways. I think internally success, like the success I, I measure is if I'm happy with the the piece that I did if I'm jumping up and down and clapping when I listen back to an edit I'm like yes 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 that to me is a success you know I feel good about putting it out I'm excited that's a success because I feel like you know when it's not right something's not right with the edit when you don't feel like some timing is off you know there's things to work on but when you when it all kind of gels together you're like yes and then you put it out and it's just like I'm excited to do that that's one way And then the other way is the kind of external way of success. I kind of measure is I don't really look, I mean, I do look at the numbers. Of course you can't, I'd be lying if I didn't, you know, but I, I, I think truly, truly, truly is seeing people recommend our show, talk about our show on forums and Reddit. Like I could cry because it's like, you know, if anyone, you know that you work so hard on these things and you kind of just put it out there and then you see people talk about it and enjoy it. And that is like, I said earlier, you know, it's like a high, it's like a drug mm, and it's right. like, okay, you know, this is why I do what I do, you know, it's to entertain and to provide like almost like an escapism for people. And if I've done that, then I have achieved my job and goal.
0: I presume that nine one one Podcasts is trying to be a money-making operation. Does that enter into your
1: feeling of accomplishment or success? I haven't really thought about it yet. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It's been so busy with just creating content and, and making stuff. My goal right now is to just have people enjoy the show, build a fan base. I feel like yeah. money and all that will come later, you know, if if that if that is in the books. But to me, that's not why I'm doing it. That's not the main priority. I know that there's not a lot of money in this yet, you yeah. know. And so I feel like I if, if I start to think about, okay, I got to do this for money, got to do this for money then our content will start to decrease in quality and my priorities are going to shift. Right now, I just want to focus on creating good stuff, quality stuff, building a fan base. All that other stuff will come later.
0: I'm kind of in this weird crossroads too, because, you know, Book of Constellations, I did mostly just for myself. And as a way to introduce myself into the field, to build an audience, a portfolio piece, if you will. Now, I'm working on Love Talker, and Love Talker is much more mm-hmm. ambitious. Um, I'm actually trying to figure out the best way to maybe I can get some commercials or something, yeah. you know, just to do that. But then I'm thinking about the show after that, because I'm like, OK, if Love Talker is successful, then hopefully I'm going to have a, a sizable audience base that I can yes. maybe. And so I'm thinking, well, what about my next show? And said, so maybe I should do something that is Patreon friendly. Right, yes. that I, yes. Specific that I can make new content for that's open-ended. Right. See, the thing is, by thinking about that, I'm already affecting the kind of choices of the stories that I want to tell. Right.
1: Exactly. That
0: becomes part of the calculation. And that's kind of a weird place to be for, you know, an artist who's just like, I like this story. I want to tell it, you know. so Right. But it's also, it's also, you're thinking
1: about your fans too. Like what you can give them, like alternate endings and behind the scenes mm. look and all these things that help with the experience of your show. So like you said, yes, it does affect the way that the storytelling is, but it also gives more of an experience, a heightened experience for those fans as well. What's really cool about this medium and audio dramas is that this stuff will live on forever and Mm. it's not current affairs, so, you know... People can listen and discover this in 10 years and it's still fresh to them. You know what I mean? And so you can always make money on it later on. Like, that's why I'm saying, like, I feel like right now I'm just trying to build up the content and the library and make a good collection of shows and stuff. And then later on, you know, we can find advertisement and all that stuff later on. Same with you. You can find it later on and put it on your show because again, people will always find it and listen to it. What's next? We are also working on a audio sitcom called Supermarket. This is an exclusive. We haven't oh, announced right. it anywhere, yes. Awesome, um, and it is a full slapstick sitcom. We have some amazing actors from Kim's Convenience, Shits Creek, you know, an actor from Riverdale. We have a lot of great talent on this show. We've already recorded the pilot, and it's wild. I mean, we just came off of doing Cascadia and Ice Cream, which are both kind of dark shows, and we want to do something completely opposite. <laughs> and this is a lot of fun. That's going to come out in the summer. Wow. So
0: lots of audio drama
1: in your future.
0: Is this your career now?
1: It is. I mean, I'm still acting, I still audition and stuff, but this, you know, creating my own stuff is like the best thing ever. You know, as an actor, you don't really get that opportunity. You kind of just audition and then if you book it, you book it, and that's someone else's work that you're portraying, right? So this yeah. is kind of my fun little way of creating my own stuff with my friends. And um and I love I just love it so much.
0: Come on. Come on. Our film we we for you. <sighs> Holy shit. She just took that little girl. Ice cream captures the vibe of an eighties horror story well. Fans of the genre will enjoy the monstrous scares and the retro soundtrack, elevated by strong performances and careful attention to detail. You can listen to Ice Cream on most major podcast platforms or see our show notes for more information. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All the opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. This show is a production of Alien Ghost Robot Creative Media. If you want more information, want to sign up for our newsletter, or are an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, visit our website at thefirstepisodeof.com. We're happy to be a part of the Audio Drama Lab, a Discord-based resource for audio drama development and networking. Check it out at audiodramalab.com. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. know you got questions about him. Where did he come from? How did he do all those things they say he did? Was he a terrorist? Was he crazy? Was his skin really blue? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles, and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged, not even Rayel. People ought to know the truth, and I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.